Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 220, covering The Reckoning and Valiant. Hello, friends. Hey, everybody. That ever there was. <laughs> ever there this. was? Everyone that ever there was that's listening to this show. We got a we got a fairly decent-sized audience these days, but I, I don't know that it's everyone that was. No, I think it's everyone that ever there was. I'm going from oh. thinking nobody listened to this show to thinking everyone listened to this show. So everyone that ever was, so like historical figures. Yep, Genghis Khan what? is fucking listening to this show going, yeah, that was pretty good. Napoleon listens to the show. Yep, when he, Other... well, he's not at the Ziggy Pig. Other people who uh, maybe contributed DNA to Serpentor listening yep. to the show. Yep. Serpentor himself, definitely listening. Yes. <laughs> it is post-atomic horror time. This I command! <laughs> little little something for the G.I. Joe people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, there's probably some. Could be. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. No. We're here to talk about uh, the, the Star Treks. We are here to talk about the Star Treks. Yes, and the first episode belongs to you, Matt. So it does. It's The Reckoning. I reckon you should tell us about it. I reckon that I am upset about that joke. That wasn't a joke. I mean, it wasn't funny. <laughs> That's how you can tell. Yes, exactly. Every every time a joke of mine doesn't land, it was never a joke in the first place. <laughs> it's just a trick. Yes. All right. It's a, it's a plot, a ploy to start a war. Mm. All right, why don't you tell us now about The Reckoning? All right, so Cisco gets called down to look at something on Bajor. In this case, it's some sort of mysterious ancient tablet promising Bajoran mysteries or whatever. I don't know. It piques Ben's interest when he sees that it concerns the Emissary in something called The Reckoning. Uh, in the original Bajoran, this translates to, The Emissary is an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So is The <laughs> Reckoning. But nobody knows that yet. Sensing that I have been having a difficult week already... Kai Wynn decides to drop by the station for some real down-home meddling, just like Grandma used to make. She orders the tablet return to Bajor, where it can spark off about 30 episodes of boring Star- Spider-Man the Animated Series episodes. Fortunately, before that can happen, Ben breaks the tablet in a fit of religion. This releases some weird gases that make bad things happen on Bajor. Kai Wynn uses this as further proof that Sisko is a jerk. Unbeknownst to her, it is actually she who is the real jerk. A prophet comes to DS9 and possesses Kira, preparing to do ancient battle with its evil enemy, the Pa Wraiths. A battle which could tear the station apart with bombardments of Ghostbusters energy beams. Dax devises a way to dissipate the prophet, freeing Kira, but Ben has faith that the prophets will triumph. Then the Pa Wraith shows up and possesses Jake, and he and Kira shoot chest lasers at each other for a while. It's not nearly as interesting as it sounds. Realizing that if the Prophets win, Bajor will be united in a thousand years of peace, and therefore she won't get to feel important, Wynn activates the chrono what a thingy mabobber sending both Prophet and Wraith to the cornfield. Then she goes home, sits in her big chair, and feels smug. <laughs> okay, I need a little clarification here. I don't get the Spider-Man reference. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Um... There was a, back in, on the 90s, uh, Spider-Man cartoon, there was like 30 episodes all linked together about Spider-Man and the Kingpin fighting over this tablet. Like a cold tablet? Yes. They both... Like a, like medicine? <laughs> yes. The Kingpin needed it for his ailing wife, and of course right. Spider-Man needed it for his ailing aunt. Well, well yes, obviously. 
And then and then the kingpin married his aunt, right? Yes, exactly. And then it turned out the kingpin was possessed by Dr. Octopus. Uh, all right. Well, that's not the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No, not even close. Neither, for some reason, is this episode. <laughs> I don't know why I liked this, but I did. Like, I yeah, don't me too. like this kind of mumbo-jumbo in my Star Trek, but I've said this before. I like it in, in DS9. I think because it's a bigger picture thing, because it's something we keep coming back to, it's not like throwaway aliens, like... I don't know. There's there's something about it that it, it works for me. I mean, you know, it's like it's the prophets. Like they like that that religion has been it with the show since the beginning. Yeah, and it's got basis in science, like Yes. You know Wormhole they're aliens. Wormhole aliens. Uh but I mentioned this the first time the Power Wraiths appeared in in that other episode with uh, Keiko, mm-hmm. which for some reason I thought we hadn't done yet, and I'm kinda glad we already have. Yeah, don't we've we've got enough terrible episodes still to come. Don't don't go back to old ones that and think we have to watch them again. No, for some reason I had it in my head that we still had to watch the Keiko gets possessed by a demon episode and mm. uh Nope. Yeah, we must have then made the joke about how can you tell? Ha ha ha. Because uh, that sure feels like us. Yeah. Fucking hacks. <laughs> anyway. Why do people like the show? I don't know. We're but they terrible. all listen to it according to you. Yeah. Um, but no, I I like like I don't like the idea of there being evil prophets. Like once you impose morality on those guys, then it changes every because like I like that they're alien and they're sort of benevolent, but once you say about, yeah, but these guys are good and these guys are evil, mm-hmm. that just makes it more, I don't know, more it's like mo- a religion and less yeah, like a more, thing. That, yeah. yeah, we're getting into, like, this could be both things and into, uh, uh, this no. is definitely religion. And actually, this episode really treats it like that. Like, Ben's basically a prophetist now. Whatever well, He's um he's come around to this like it's been a gradual arc and this is completely like he's arrived yeah like, I mean like I this, am the emissary yeah. and yeah this episode is all about how strong his faith is which is yep. amazing for a guy who like when he first came on this show was all like yeah some a- aliens in that wormhole uh, I guess these people think they're gods and they think I'm Jesus whatever it's yep. dumb and embarrassing but you know no th- we've gone from. I'm very uncomfortable with all of this to, yeah, I'm taking this thing because I want to look at it. And I didn't even occur to me that you guys might be sensitive about people stealing artifacts from you because, oh, yeah, the Cardassians did that for years and years. Yeah, I'm not stealing it. It's got my name on it. Well, right. That was my point. Yeah. It does say welcome emissary right on it. Yep. It doesn't say welcome Kaiwen. It doesn't say welcome First Minister Shakar. It says welcome emissary are you sure it doesn't say welcome kai win maybe on the back have you looked nope. can i look oh yes nope look I, with your eyes not with your hands i think it's written very small here <laughs> you just wrote that <laughs> who let her in with a sharpie dad <laughs> no it, he's he's like I, it never occurred to me that like they would be really skittish about people just stealing ancient stuff yeah. from their planet after all that shit that happened even if yeah. it is the emissary mm-hmm and and it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, and, and so Kai uh, Wynn actually has a point. Mm-hmm. Like, believe it or not. Yeah. Just, uh... But you're she's still really like, not yeah. supposed to be taking stuff that's ours from our planet and then throwing it at a wall because you're mad at it. Well, that was the other thing. They told him... I have several gotta, problems with this. You gotta bring it back. You gotta bring it back. And then he just goes up and smashes it. There, if, you, if I have to give it back, yep. you can't have it at all. Wow, Really? Really? All right. It's like, I expect this kind of crap from Wynn. Oh, yes, yeah. when you wanted it back, it fell over. 
Whoops. Funny that. But come on, Cisco, you're like, you're Cisco, you're better than that. No, yep. I just really wanted to break something beautiful. <laughs> well, now, there, excuse me while I go punch Julian in the face. <laughs> That's who you pick, huh? Yep. Who's beautiful on this show, Brain? Uh, Julian. <laughs> well, I'm not going to have him punch one of the women. Well, all right. I don't know. Dax, like, Dax wouldn't let it happen. Like, he could try. Yeah. Neither would Kira, Ki too. Actually. Neither would Kira come to think of it, yeah. That's what I'm saying. The the women on the show, like, would not, like, he could try. Yep. But uh, he wouldn't land the punch. No, I can, I would definitely say, uh, of all the dudes on the show, uh, Julian definitely has the prettiest face. Yeah, you were correct. Um, my face, though! <laughs> that's how it makes my livings. No, it's not. <laughs> how you make your what? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it's episode King of the Hill where, uh, I forget what it was, but it was it was cotton going. Just not in the face. That's how it makes my livings. Ah. Uh, so about this episode of this show that we're actually watching. Are we not doing the uh, King of the Hill, Atomic Horror? Yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> the post atomic Hank. <laughs> the pro the propane atomic Hank. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Why don't you instead tell us what a good thing was about this episode of this show? Fucking, I love how shitty Kai Wynn is in this episode. We got prime Kai Wynn here. This is oh. like peak, like, she is pure her. Yep. This Just is undistilled, yeah. This is, and I've talked about this before, anytime there's a really good episode where she's really awful. Well, because... and I'm glad we clarified this, because you hate her, but you love to hate her. Oh, I adore hating her. She's one of the best villains on this show, and this show has Gull Dukat. Yep. Like, you know, that's a pretty good place to be number two. Yeah. Are you sure I'm number two, child? <laughs> Not number one? Check again. I'm pretty sure I'm the Kai of this country, that uh, this entire planet. That should probably make me number one. No, this... No, the first minister has first right in his name. He he might actually be number one. Son of a bitch. <laughs> no, she is fantastic. Can't you just picture her going, son of a bitch? Yep. I mean, under her breath, not to anyone. No, no. Oh, of course, child. Th this episode is all about her desperate, like, finding out that this massive, important, biblical thing is happening to Bajor, and the most important thing is that she be a part of it. Somehow. Yeah, yeah like, she's barely involved. She happens to be there to see it, and that's it. Like, yeah. The thing possesses Kira. She it, it looks at her. She says, but what about me? I'm the Kai. And like, there's this wind sort of like ominous wind rushing noise that just yeah. stops. Yeah. Like not listening anymore. I love <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. Just think of how that would be. OK, you are basically the pope of this religion. OK, yep. fucking God shows up on this on this thing, this space station while you're there. And he has literally no interest in you. Yep. Just like, please, I have served you all my yeah, life. Is, I've been, I've been waiting. Like all the Kai's have been waiting, you know, thousands of years for this. Like now it's me. I'm here. Let's go. Wait. Oh no, no, we didn't want you. Ew. No. <laughs> There's also the um. I love the 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 basic concept. The Kai is visiting the space station, and the prophets. Let who's the most religious person on this space station that we can possess? Yep. Kira, come here. What, what? What about what about me? Eh. Not listening. Eh. Bored now. Who, what's your name again? Who are you? I'm the Kai. 
Really? Not ringing any bells. Adami? Oh, wait, no shit. That's her real name. What was the first guy's name? That is her real name. name. Yeah. That's Uh, her first name. Opaka? Opaka? No. no. Win. Kai Win. Are you sure? No. No, Not ringing any bells. Uh, Anybody? Nothing. Kai Win? Anybody? Sorry, we haven't heard of you. No, I like it. I like yeah. the like I like her bitterness of like I've devoted my life to this and they don't care yep. and, and it's fantastic. And the one the fact that at the end she's the one that like stops it. That god, that says everything you would ever want to know about this character. It's just it's like it's the, if if she's got the faith that Ben has in yeah. you know, in the prophet's triumphing. The prophet's triumph over the Paw Wraiths and it's a thousand years of peace. It's a golden age on Bajor. Like right, but the fact is, she is concerned that they will lose, which is the entire opposite of having faith in them. She doesn't, like, she thinks they need help. She thinks, like, but what if evil wins? I better intervene. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't have enough faith in them to win. Gotta. And also, oh, gotta be in there somehow. Well, of course. I helped. And, and her last uh, conversation with Kira as she's leaving the station is she's already putting a spin on this. Like she intervened to make things better. Yep. I helped. You're welcome. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Which is totally her. No, thousand she's a year, she thousand years of peace. Well, yes, but if that happens, I will not be necessary anymore. Yeah. She even says that. Yep. She says there won't be any needs for Vedex or Kai's or emissaries. We just will all be out of work. Cisco's like, that's okay, I've got another job. And she's like, well, I, I don't. I, well, you know, we might need a couple of Kais. Maybe just, maybe just one. I mean, with all that I peace won. going on, people are going to need someone to tell them what to do. Right. Right? We're, we're all equal, but I'm a little more equal. <laughs> that's right, I've read your Earth Animal Farm. <laughs> My good thing is, man, Dax is really, like, prime Dax right now. Dax like, is on talk point about the in character. this episode being like sort of the distillation of what they're all about mm. she's an excellent counterpoint to cisco this whole episode where he's totally gone on this faith thing and she's like uh dude no you were with me the first time and we were we agreed that this is a science thing not a magic thing like what what, what is wrong with what, you what are you doing yeah remember like when we went to that golf course in the first episode thing, right what's that remember when we went to that golf course in the first episode yeah right you went to a golf course. I went to a volcano-strewn hellscape. Oh, uh, yeah. My hellscape. Yeah. But it's it's great. And we've mentioned this. I'm not going to say how it happens. But we have mentioned Terry Farrell leaves the show at the end of this season. That's not a spoiler in the sense that we're not going to tell you how the story goes. Yeah. Maybe she transfers off. Maybe she dies. Maybe. Who knows? We're not going to tell you. But the point is, the the character, like, will be gone because the actor decided to go do something else. Becker. I was waiting for you to say Becker, yes. I fucking hate Becker. <laughs> I just resent Becker. I've never seen Becker. But, um, and, and it's just, it, it sucks because the character is completely where we want her now, and she's about to leave. Yep. She's got four more episodes, and she's gone. Yep. And it's it's too bad. Because we're really, really close like to the end of season six, too. Jesus. Yeah, we are. We got two more pairs of episodes, and we're done. Wow. Yep. Uh, this actually... One more season. Y- Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I'm done. Oh, go ahead. This actually ties into my quote, too. Okay. Well, what is your quote? Dax being hilarious. All right. Let's hear it. I had a pretty good idea what this was the minute I laid eyes on it. That confirms it. It's a slab of stone with some writing on it. That's a great quote. Thank you. I thought so. 
Yeah, there were there were a few really good ones. There's also the one where she's like, well, it either says there there will be a thousand years of horrible darkness or the Bajorans will eat fruit. <laughs> not really sure. But given the tone <laughs> given of the rest the- of the tablet, <laughs> I think it's probably Problem. not fruit. <laughs> Later, Kira <laughs> eats some fruit. Yeah. Actually, it was earlier, but it's still, you know. Yeah, they really they really kind of screwed up the setup on that joke. Yeah, they kind of did. Um, let's see what else. DS9 DS9 you need punch up. <laughs> Call us. Yeah. It's not too late. No, it's exactly too late. It might be very too late. Yeah, it might be about 15 years too late. Uh-huh. Um, I like how old all this Bajoran stuff is like mm-hmm. when they find the ruins, it's like, yeah, so this is 15,000 years old and this is like 50,000 years old and like all this stuff. Like they, well, we talked about this, like in the Sunship episode, these guys were way more advanced than like most of the races we deal with. Yeah. Like they kind of hit a, hit, you know, hit a lag and then the occupation. Yeah. But for a while there, they were like way ahead of everybody else. And I like that. I like that they had like, you know, civilization before we did mm-hmm. and they had like technology way before we did and you know it's just cool it's one of those things i like above azure yep that's why it's um, awesome jake does not else? agree with you well not so jake has very little interest in ancient bajoran culture which he fucking flat out says to kira who is yeah, probably like he not... expects kira to take his side yeah it's like, like this is boring right what isn't bajoran culture boring and stupid but um, buddy count the nose ridges yeah, Come on. standing right here. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was hoping but, there'd be uh, a story down here. No. Just no. the story of how great Bajoran culture is. Oh, I've been man. hearing that story since I moved here. <laughs> also, something threw my dad against the wall again. Again. So I guess Cassidy will be along to wring her hands shortly. Oh, Ben! <clears throat> or you possibly that, like, oh, Olive Oil. Oh, yeah. There's a point where Worf says, Kai Wynn is here. And he said it the same way he used to say, Mrs. Troy is here. I just... I just... I, I like that. That delights me every time. It's just like, Captain Kai Wynn's on the way up. Son of a bitch. Yeah, everyone's like, ah, Newman. Yeah. This is great. Uh, As if my day wasn't bad enough. <laughs> uh, what was your bad thing? Um, I gotta respect how much the Pa Wraiths love being evil. Okay, so when evil Jake shows up, he's got the blood red eyes, he's crackling with evil red energy. The red is how you can tell it's evil, by the way. How would you know otherwise? Yeah. And then, if that wasn't enough, he has to do the sinister neck crack, like he's a fucking villain in the Matrix. Okay, but this predates the Matrix, first of all. That's true. And I'm not saying they know. ripped it off, I'm just saying that was the first thing I thought of. Evil, just... evil neck crack. I don't know. I just, that's one of those things that I just don't notice. I guess I don't know. It's just like, like I'm, it's time to kick some. It's time to kick some profit ass. It's. I have come to to chew jumja sticks and kick profit ass. <laughs> and I'm all out of jumja sticks. <laughs> well, you can buy one at that stand over there. Hello. <laughs> I actually. I was at uh, uh, Bevmo last week. It's a, a big like place. They sell mostly beer and wine. Yeah, I think I've been have, there. Like, the novelty... the soda place. I think I went there with you once. The big soda place. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's where yeah. I get my novelty soda. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they had... Well, I picked up Wink Martindale's Guava Orange something or other, which was ridiculous. But they also had... Uh, 
uh, Roddy Piper's uh, I'm All Out of Bubblegum Soda. All right, that sounds pretty good. That reference just reminded me of that. It's, I kind of want to drink that now. Uh, I really, I didn't get it because I don't like bubblegum flavored things. But no. uh, well, that's fair. <laughs> but it was, it was amusing to see. But um, the Piper anyway, flavoring. What's that? But the flavor of Piper. Well, yeah. Like who doesn't want to like... drink an '80s wrestler? <laughs> well, I mean, Slim Jims told really well for a long time, and they taste like Macho Man Randy Savage. Snap into one, Matt. <laughs> What does that even mean? Snap, that, that's, that, that doesn't even make sense. That's not I even English. I never understood. How do you snap into something? Explain this to me. I Listen, you're you're the one from the 90s, not me. I am the one from I'm the from 90s. The if, if only Macho Man Randy Savage were still alive today, we could ask him. Uh, did he go the way of Gene Wilder? Yeah. He... No, he went the actual death. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. Anyway, as far as the evil prophet thing goes, I don't know, like... The, you're dealing in sort of like, um, what's the word I want? Like, you have to really get the point across. You have to make it very clear who's the good one and who's the evil one. Mm -hmm. So you do the blue and the red. You do the, you know, the, the, the body language of evil versus the body language of good. Like, you have to, you have to do those sort of really broad things. You know what I mean? Like, although apparently the body language of, uh, of, uh, good is standing very still. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, they put all of that battle in post. Like, it's all, you know, light yeah. show crap. And, like, so Sirach Lofton and Nana Visitor had to stand there and stare at each other for long enough for them to put the effects in. And apparently they couldn't do it and keep a straight face. No, you have to look really more serious. You're shooting each other with incredibly powerful energy. This is ridiculous. Yeah, but I don't even think that it's ridiculous. I think it's just you got to stand there and stare at the other guy for, like, two full minutes so that they can get enough to put the effect in. Yeah. There was supposed to be... I was reading a memory alpha. There was supposed to be this huge running battle all over the ship where they were both running around throwing fireballs at each other like it was Street Fighter. And, right. then, and then they were like, maybe we can't do that. That's actually really expensive. And it'll take, uh, let's see, 16 days. Normally yeah, takes and an average shoot four. is, like, four days. Yeah. So. Maybe let's not do that. Let's, uh, how about we just have them fire beams at each other, like it's an episode of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I, I haven't played Street Fighter and I haven't watched Dragon Ball Z. Remember, you're the one from the 90s, man. Yep. That's okay, enough people will get it. Now, they should have done, like, a proper wizard's duel, but the problem is that's what the changelings do. Like, yeah. turn into different stuff and, you know. That would have been awesome, but, uh, Like a sword in the stone wizard's duel. Yeah. Not like a fireball wizard's duel, like a turning into shit wizard's duel. Right. No, like, Sword in the Stone yeah, is yeah. my go-to for that. Yeah. You, where you turn into a squirrel and then a lady squirrel falls in love with you. Yeah. You know, yeah. wizards. Uh -huh. Exactly. And then you're a fish uh, for a while, because why not? Sure. Yeah. We are we are particularly distracted this week. I don't know what that's about. Because I didn't dislike either of these episodes. No, they were both fine. But, you know, yeah. wizards. Yeah. I don't even like wizards. How can you not like wizards? Well... It's pretty easy. Look, see, <laughs> that's me not liking wizards. <laughs> fucking beards and pointy hats. Shut up! Uh, I hate him so only, much. The only wizard I like is Alan Moore. It's a pretty good wizard. Yep. All right. So my bad thing. He's a pretty wizard. Wizard. <laughs> Pod racing. Podcasting is wizard. <laughs> All right. Uh, the, my bad thing. The exposition in this episode is particularly clumsy. Like this is a. 
this is the culmination of six years worth of of running story for the the wormhole alien slash prophets the yep. power race all this like the Bajoran religion like so many stories are referenced here and they have to explain every single one of them in great detail there's mm-hmm. a whole scene between Dax and Cisco where she's like yes but we see them as wormhole aliens but they're really the prophets yes that's what the Bajorans think and then this happened like yep. oh we get it. Yeah, I know that not everyone has watched every episode, but, you know, we have. Do this for us. Also, again, they're dealing in very sort of broad concepts. It's the Bajoran religion, good versus evil. You don't have to explain all of it. I think people no. get the gist of it. Oh, do people do people get the concept of good versus evil? Is I that not they, what all fiction is based around? I think they probably do, but, you yeah. know, look, I don't want to assume anything. That's true. So, yeah. it was It was a bit clumsy. Oh, good versus evil. I see. Oh, uh, like X versus Sever. I get it. Now. Oh, you mean ballistic X versus st- Sever? Of course I do. <laughs> wait, so which one is X and which one is Sever? Uh, wait, so that was Lucy Lou and... No, 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 no. I mean, of in this battle. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, well, uh, clearly uh, the Paw Wraiths are Sever. Oh, clearly. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Prophets are X. Spelled okay. E-C-K-S, by the way, not, you know, just right. X. Right, no, that would be ridiculous. Because then the logo would be like X-V-Sever, which, that's stupid. No, because that that then says 15-Sever in Roman numerals, yeah. and that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And that's before <laughs> the they Predator could replace, shows up. Or they could replace the V in Sever with a 7. <laughs> Ooh, I like the way like, you think. Like in the movie Seven and Seven and Yeah. Wow. Okay, so have we literally talked about everything from the 90s now? <laughs> I think we may have done. Ah. Uh, so the le- so the later seasons of Garfield and Friends. Uh, <laughs> who are the friends in Garfield and uh, Friends? Tell, tell me that. You heard about um, Heathcliff? I, oh, and I have one more note, which is uh, Avery Brooks has never Averyed more Brooks. Oh, man, that dude Averys so hard in this. When when the battle is happening and and Jake is maybe gonna die and it's like th- these are all the things I care about right here this station that boy those gods the Jorans <laughs> like this is all the shit and like oh god what am I ah, 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 and he's doing I, that thing yeah, Captain we have to evacuate I know but it's my real. face yeah he'll no. no. He'll pr- the prophets will protect him. <clears throat> no, in my mind, it's real. In my mind, it's it's so weird because I should not like his acting style, but I totally do. It just yeah. it feels genuine. Yeah, it doesn't feel like acting. It feels like emoting. Well, that like, was the thing we talked about this during the episode with when it was Shatner shatting it up. Yeah, it felt like you know, it was an it was acting. Yeah. When Cisco does it, it's like, no, this is just, this is how he acts. Yeah, Avery Brooks is tapping into some emotion and expressing it legitimately, yeah. not just acting. Mm-hmm. There's something more sort of primal and real about it. Yep. It's real! <laughs> I I mean, you know, this is one of the reasons why I like Cisco. He's kind of weird. Yep. No, and we've said that from the very beginning. Yep. And I stand by it. Yeah. Still good. It's delightful, but, you know, yep. a little weird. Also... How DS9 and ending is that? That good and evil face off and nobody wins and they're still evil in the world. Yep. That's pretty D Space Nine. Yeah. 
All right. Anything else? Uh, let me just have a quick look over my notes here. Root, root, do. No. Root, doot, do. <laughs> That's the sound of reading. Ah, I see. Very well. Well, then I will move forward. I will not make that noise, <laughs> but I will read my summary for Valiant. The story of a guy named Eddie who does an investigation into Toontown. Ooh, that sounds pretty good, actually. Well, that's from the eighties. I, I apologize. I've broken the uh, I've broken the trend of us talking about things from the nineties. Yeah. So, clearly suffering the after effects of more profit meddling, Cisco decides it would be a perfectly sensible idea to trust one of his runabouts to the littlest ensign, Nog, and Sirak Lofton, who is working on a new streak by appearing in two episodes in a row. I suppose it's also possible that the two of them stole the runabout for a Ferris Bueller-style joyride, especially given how positively Cameronian Nog has been since joining Starfleet. <laughs> but, no, apparently he's carrying a vital diplomatic communique for the Grand Nagus. Jake tries his nosy best to invite himself to that meeting so he can interview the Nagus, but Nog shoots him down. Well, who will I interview now, laments Jake. Hey, kid, I hear my Nagus impression is pretty good. You can interview me. <laughs> So the narrative powers that be decide that we've had our obligatory three minutes of playful banter. Now it's time to get this plot moving. I think we'll go with Star Trek plot contrivance number four, which states that no two characters can travel anywhere in a shuttle or runabout and not suffer mechanical failure, navigation difficulties due to an anomaly, or being attacked by a hostile force. This time it's the Jem'Hadar, and unsurprisingly the two barely adults, one of whom is not just a civilian but a writer, which possibly is the most useless profession in all of this universe, <laughs> don't fare quite so well against the Gamma Quadrant's predominant aggressor. Fortunately, the cavalry swoops in to save the day. It's the Defiant! Uh, wait, I mean the Valiant! Which is exactly like the Defiant for the purposes of effect shots, but completely not in any other way. For one thing, it's crewed entirely by children. For another... Okay, all the other differences are a direct result of that first thing. Somehow, Starfleet thought it would be a good idea to give its top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art warship, which was still only in the prototype phase like three years ago, to a bunch of cadets. Not just any cadets either. This ship is run by Red Squad, the elite team of super douches from those other episodes where Red Squad appeared. Listen, I know a lot about Star Trek, but I'm bad with titles in this show, okay? But we've seen them before. They're terrible. And they continue to be terrible. You can tell how seriously they take everything because they do that Captain on the Bridge stuff that every Star Trek show does in the pilot before realizing it would be tedious and awful to do it in every single scene where a captain walks into a room. Anyway, I guess these guys killed their adult supervisor or maybe died of natural causes or something, but they decided it would be a perfectly sensible idea to continue taking orders from Starfleet despite the fact that any one of them would not look out of place on a contemporary show about normal Earth teens. You're saved by the bells, you're fresh princes of Bel Air, and so forth. Then they all die in an attempt to take out what is effectively a Jem'Hadar Star Destroyer. Seriously, like, all but one of them are dead. Jake and Nog are fine, though, but all those other children? Totally dead. Kids love Star Trek! Yep. So, can we briefly talk about Red Squad and how terrible, how terrible an idea it is? Yes. Like, let's take a let's take a culture that prides itself on equality and everyone is equal and everyone has an opportunity and let's elevate a small group of them to like better than everyone else. Like I've had a problem with Red Squad since uh, the first episode it officially appeared in. Um, I'm not entirely clear if these are, if Red Squad was also the guys from that TNG episode where Wesley killed the guy. I never forget. They were not called Red Squad, but it was the same it's a, like it's the same concept. The same concept. Yeah. So, but. There, there was another episode where Red Squad is this super special team of cadets who are like taking a taking order, like actual orders, and going on real missions. Yeah, this was the uh, Homefront and uh, Paradise Lost, I think, two parter. Yes, 
I did remember, actually. My, huh. my summary was making a joke. Um, what, humor? Yeah, I know. On this show? <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, some people don't listen because we, we don't take Star Trek seriously enough. Really? Uh, apparently so. Wow, we're just bad people. I know. We're terrible, terrible people. Terrible Trek fans. Mm-hmm. We're not even fans. We just we hate the show so we're, much. We're monsters. Yeah, we are. We're basically history's greatest monsters. Uh, yes. But on the other hand, the word great is in there, so we're great. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> See how quickly I turned that around? Mm-hmm. That was positively Kai Win of me. <laughs> anyway, no, um, I, yeah, it was that two-parter where they're running around on Earth, and they're, like, they're under the influence of this, like, corrupt admiral who's, you know, got all these crazy ideas about security and stuff, and... Yeah. Like, that was the one you're talking about. Yeah. So, the concept of Red Squad is probably the least Starfleet concept I could think of. Yep. Just this group of people who've... This group of kids who have been promoted above all the other kids at the Academy. Yeah, told that they're better than every other kid. Told that they're better than everyone. And there's no, like... Like, it's not... It's like, they don't even try to give them, like, some humility or anything. Nope. It's just, yeah, you guys are the best. Of the best. Of the best. And you all, and you have to be really good just to get into Starfleet. So you mm-hmm. guys are really, 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 really great. Yeah, and and don't then, let anyone ever tell you different. And then to give them a ship, a mm-hmm. state of the art. There's only this is there are two Defiant class ships. Well, I, we don't know how many there are now. They're they're presumably since the war they probably ramped up production. Yeah, that's probably true. But we haven't. But when Cisco. Sh- when Cisco showed up in the season three premiere with it, it was a prototype. So it's been three years. There can't be that many. No. It takes a while to build ships. Yeah. And it was a prototype. Like, they, they even said it's over-designed in some ways. We're kind of testing it, and it's not ready to be produced yet. Like, he said as much. Yeah. But, I mean, if you really want to look at it, we have not seen other Defiant-class ships. No, this ships. is the first time we've seen another ship in that The in fact that, class, that yeah. when a ship when a ship comes up shows up to rescue Jake and Nog... The first thing they think is, oh, it's the Defiant. Right. Like, it's not, like, if a, if a Galaxy class ship had showed up, they wouldn't be like, oh, it's the Enterprise, because there's a lot of Galaxy class ships running around out there. Right. Also, the Enterprise exploded. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, there are not many Defiants out there. And to give one to some fucking kids so they can get, well, and in fairness, there is a scene where he describes what happened. It's, it's, they're going like they're circumnavigating the Federation to do something, blah blah blah, and then the captain died. Yeah, well, the captain and a, like they had a bun- they had a couple of uh, of uh, yeah. overseers basically. Yeah, and and we all move up in rank. Yeah, this but is... it's effectively like Star Trek Two. Yeah, where it's like a ship full of cadets is the only one in the neighborhood, so we here we are. Yep, that's like, terrible. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, a terrible idea. Yeah, it's bad, and you should feel bad. No, and and the kid who's running, they're all kids, uh-huh. but the kid who's running the thing waters, the captain. Yep. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh. Um, it very clearly is, is like, well, no, uh, these orders are for the captain, but I'm the captain now, so I'm just taking the orders. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, no. If they no. knew it was you, they would say, come home, Timmy. I just, ooh. Yeah. The idea, the, the very idea of taking a cadet... And just be all like, yeah, you're captain. You're gonna be, even with even with like a actual officer overseeing the the idea of taking a cadet who is not you know who is not like served on a ship at all and just making him captain, that's horrible. It's also the okay. basis for Star Trek 2009, but that's not important I right now. I was just about to say that. Yes, <laughs> that is not my point. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, I get you. It's it's and the thing is, I don't think it's bad writing. Mm-hmm. I think because the whole point of the episode is this is a bad idea. Look how it ends. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not like and Ron Moore wrote this and you can tell it's uh-huh. got a lot of that sort of military tradition stuff that he does well. Yep. Um, But it's it's very like like the whole point is uh, who thought this was a good idea. Look what happens when you let children drive. Are we are we ending a uh, SV sketch? Yes. Who thought yes, this was no. a good idea? <laughs> the end. Um, but that's really the the lesson here is oh god no and in fact there's a great scene at the at the very end where the one surviving kid yep like hears Jake and Nog talking and Nog says yeah he was a he was a bad guy and he made a terrible mistake yeah no he was a great man and Nog just says no no he was he was a, okay dude but he was a terrible captain yeah not and uh, a good decision. Nog really, like, he's got a nice sort of, like, this is a big part of his arc here. Mm-hmm. Because he's really grown up and, had, you know, like, forced to, like, oh, shit, this is what I always wanted and it's terrible. Yeah. There's um there's a great interview on Memory Alpha with, uh, well, it's not an interview, it's an excerpt from an interview, but uh, with mm-hmm. uh, the dude that plays Nog, whose name I can never remember. Yeah. Aaron Eisenberg. Okay. Where he's just, like, his sort of, he's, the direction he's sort of taken with Nog is that, it's, he's he's become an off he's trying to become an officer in a very Ferengi approach. Yeah, like it's all about this one goal of becoming an officer and eventually becoming a captain. Right, and like I think the concept of Red Squadron really appeals to that uh, well, that plus, sort of drive because it's like this is this is the path I need to be taking to become to to get what I need out of life. This is where I should be. Well, plus, when you look at him and you see how ill-suited he was to join Starfleet, he wasn't even literate six years ago. Yeah. Like, they, they, he had to go to school to learn how to read. Yep. Like, like not that long ago. And mm-hmm. now he wants to be the best of the best at the most elite, you know, like, one of the most elite learning institutions in, presumably, in the Federation. Yep. If it's if it's equivalent to like West Point or Annapolis now, like the the you know the the U.S. military like academies, yeah, then it's you know not the absolute best, but it's it's way up there with like the you know the best schools. Yes, and uh, so to even to even expect that he would get in, much less get into Red Squad, is kind of ridiculous. Yep. It's, it's aiming awfully damn high for him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I like that. Yeah, no, I think it's a great. Uh, I think it's a great character choice for him. But yeah, and then to have, but then to have that all just sort of crumble around him is also pretty good. Well, it's a nice "be careful what you wish for" story. Yeah, here you go. We're giving you lieutenant commander, and you are chief engineer. Go. I was watching that, and all I could think is, hey, maybe don't uh, don't you wear those pips when you're back on the station? Yeah, you'll get whiplash from how quickly Chief O'Brien rips them off of you. Don't uh, don't try to don't sidle up to Worf as though you were his equal. <laughs> You you may both be lieutenant commanders technically, but no, you're not. No, you're chief engineer. I earned it. Uh huh. Yeah. How old are you? <laughs> yeah. What are you six? Oh, he's about six. Mm-hmm. Um, God, he's so tiny. There's a there's a shot at the end of the episode where he's sitting on uh on a uh, bed in sick bay and his mm-hmm. <laughs> his feet are just dangling, and all yep. I can think is someone help me down. <laughs> well, you were saying when they were in the runabout that he can't reach the pedals, <laughs> which, the, much I, like the whole the whole upstairs downstairs thing, I wonder how your brain sees this show. I love uh, I love the idea of a runabout with pedals. 
Well, and I just assume it's it's Flintstone style where they actually stick their feet out of a hole at the bottom of the thing. Warp factor. We got to go up to warp four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> actually, we're more like pow. Right. That that's closer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a, it is a great be careful what you wish for thing, yep. which I like. Um, I like, and, and we're going to, we're going to argue a bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, I like all the kids. Like, I, I mean, the captain is a douche. He plays, he a plays douche. a douche very well. He actually, I got a real Chris Pine Kirk vibe off of him, which was weird. Uh, he's not nearly as handsome and charming. But well, yes, no, I, but he like, it, like, it look it looks like. And which and this is impossible, obviously. It looks like he watched uh, Chris Pine as Kirk and was all like, "Yeah, that's what I'll do." Yeah, he just isn't doing it well. Now, the thing is, there's there's just sort of a generic macho swagger about that. Like, there's nothing, you know. Yeah. There's nothing unique about that. He just does it really well. I'm just waiting for him to spin around in the chair, go bones. Yeah, chew on an apple. Mm. Um, but it's it, all of them have this vibe of like. I am a kid pretending to be an adult. Yep, wearing the big boy which pants. Which I really like. Yeah, like they're they're like like Amanda pointed out when, when she was watching with me that the uh, the first officer who actually you specifically had a problem with. I did. Uh, wore her wore her hair in a way that we see dignified women wearing their hair in Star Trek. That is true. Like like everything she did seems like a deliberate choice where she's copying some, you know, some powerful woman she's seen like I can be like that. I'm a grown-up. Mm-hmm. I can put on mommy's high heels. Uh-huh. And I like that. I think I think that really works because that's what these kids are really doing is playing at being grownups, but they're totally not. Oh, yeah. I, but you didn't like her at all. Apparently. I did not. I thought her acting was terrible in this. Huh. Um, right. it, like it starts off when she's just when she's just like barking orders uh, towards the beginning. It's fine. But towards the end, when the ship starts uh, falling apart and everything, every word out of her mouth sounds so wooden. It's just yeah, like there's on purpose. there's no emotion coming out of her at all. And like. This is the part, like, when the ship is falling apart, this is where, like, this is the, this is where that sort of exterior that she's put up should be cracking. And right. instead, there's nothing. It's like, there's none of that sort of assertiveness from the beginning of the episode, but there's no, like, there's nothing there. It's just, oh. See, that's what I like because they made a point throughout the episode, like her and the captain mm. are like, you don't show emotion. We are the best. We are the, like, like, they yell at Jake. Because he asks some chick where she's from, mm-hmm. and she cries a little bit. They yell at her for crying, and then yell at Jake for talking to her. The glorious like, of- this is their thing. You don't show emotion. And so I think that's a front. That's a deliberate front. Like, no, no. I am a grown-up. I must be strong. Like, I don't know. I like that. I just, like, there was none of that at the end of the episode. There's just, like, there's a lack of that. There's a lack of emotion. There's a lack of everything. It's just reading off yeah, of cue I feel, cards. I feel like that fits with the way that they run the ship. Yeah, see, I just, you know I, I, mean? I, don't, I, I, I respect Fair your enough. point of view, I just don't see it. Damn it, we're supposed to argue. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, I'm I, sorry, I'm Canadian. I, uh, I don't argue. I'm sorry, I'm Canadian. <laughs> they put that on your passport, don't they? <laughs> it's right on the first page. No, it's, I mean, yeah, it's totally like it's not like there's there's one absolute answer to this. But I think all of the kids sort of made an acting choice to, to sort of, like I say, play as grownups. Yeah. Like, and I think uh, like I thought the captain did a really good job of that. I thought I so, mean, he was terrible, but oh, no, he was terrible, but he was, you know. We all kind of have known someone terrible. like that. I yeah, think. absolutely. Plus, I like 
the way they run the ship, it's all super formal. Yep. Like they all, like I said in my summary, they do that captain on the bridge thing, and like everyone's got to stand at attention, and like we've seen Starfleet ships over and over again. It's not practical to do that. Like maybe it's officially protocol. But you don't stand at attention every single time the captain walks in a room. That's exhausting. No, but here's the thing. Um, this is a, this like the the very concept of this ship is about like them working on a ship and and being observed by uh, by uh, oh, right. actual officers. It's like this is like this is like if they had to serve on a ship while taking a driving test. Yeah, it's exa- of, it is a driving test. Yeah, like no, the, I agree. And we're also talking about people who have who have never served on on ships before. Like if they're fresh out of the academy, like they're still cadets. They're not they even have, out of the academy yet. Yeah, they're still in the academy. They're 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 you know they're cadets. Like the, right. The only way they know how to run a ship is like going through all of that crap. Yep. Well, that and this is how the grown-ups do it. This is how we'll do it. Yeah. Like maybe those unprofessional ships run it this way. But, but we're not, red not squad. Us. We're gonna. We're going to do it right. There's a point where they're just chanting, Red Squad, Red Squad. Like, wow. It's the, not a very good motto. It's a bit much. Well, no, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's that brainwashing kind of, you know. Yep. Like, the Star, Star Trek has done a really good job from the original series on showing that this military doesn't isn't sort of the mindless brainwash military. Yeah. And these kids don't get that. That's mm-hmm. not what Starfleet is. Like, militaries can be that way. Yeah. But this one's not usually like that. But uh, these kids don't get it. Yeah. There's also that big Red Squad plaque on the wall, which pisses me off. (laughs) I don't know. There's no no other ship in the entire Federation that has, like, a big poster for itself. Uh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Did you forget the giant picture of the Enterprise? Oh, fuck, I did forget about that. I thought you were being sarcastic there. Like, you, you do remember that, right? Oh, Picture of itself on itself. Oh, that's right. All right, fine. There is a tradition of that. <laughs> Every, like, we've been, you know, we've been in the ready room of two 24th century ships, and they both do that. So I guess that's it's true. probably a thing. I also, I like the Red Squad uh, uh, emblem. Mm. It's like a little rocket arrow thing. Like, I, I don't know. It looks cool. I like Starfleet's it. way into uh, arrows. <laughs> arrowed! <laughs> Um, so, okay, so I, I talked about how, like, I like a lot of the, the acting choices and stuff, but my bad thing, none of these characters are original at all. Like, all of these felt like the same guys we met in Lower Decks and also yep. the First Duty. There's only, like, five character types for junior crewmen or cadets. Like, you got, like, this, the the, the first officer could easily have been, like, Cedo Jaxa, and, like, the, the, uh, the captain could have easily been, like, uh, Lil Riker from Lower Decks. Like, yep. They're all exactly the same, and I just feel like Ron Moore's usually better at, at creating more, like, nuanced characters. Well, I'm disappointed and especially that he since you know. he wrote, like, Lower Decks and st- did He wrote Lower Decks, I, right? I don't know. I don't know that he did, actually. Uh. I, I don't remember. Maybe it's just because I have. liked it. It was late TNG, I assu- so yeah. I assume it was Ron Moore. I could have been. I don't want to say for absolute sure, but I don't think that he did. Right. I, I want to say that was a spec script, but I could be wrong. Well, that's possible, yeah. Anyway, um... It it just it feels like none of these characters are really original, and I guess because they were doing that, we're all in the military, we're all one unit, we're not gonna act, you know, mm. different. That means you kind of sacrifice their their uh, personalities. But I don't know. Just like I say, they felt like guys we'd all met before. Yeah, and I didn't love that. You were not wrong. 
what was your good thing? Um, I like that scene between Jake and, uh, the hell was her name? Collins? I guess it was Collins. Doreen Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they talk about, uh, where she's from and she gets a little homesick. We find out Jake's never been to the moon, which I think is funny. <laughs> it's like those people who live in New York and never got to see the Statue of Liberty. Or they, it's or not the even that they never got to. It's they just they don't never got care. around to it. Yeah, yeah, that's the Statue of Liberty. Whatever, yeah, but that's uh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> just in my I brain, like the... it's like, wait, you can go to the moon? I'm like Fry in that second episode of Futurama. Right. It's like, why aren't we going to the moon right now? It's because the moon sucks. Yeah, the moon is boring. It's also a harsh mistress, I've heard. I've heard that from you just now. Mm-hmm. I um, I really like the tiny little detail. I mean, I I will I will take any crumb of Joseph Sisko they give us because I just I love him so much. Yep. But the little the little crumb of information that he still calls it the moon. <laughs> like, like most Earth, most people from Earth and from the rest of the Federation call it Luna now because there's lots of moons. Yep. And he's he's old fashioned and like no, it's the moon, damn it. But like, also, like it's the only one. Like, I mean, Cisco's dad is pretty old, but he's not ancient. No, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. No, he's still he's still a future man. Yes. He was still born in the twenty third century, probably. But I mean, like, as he was born in the twenty third century, I'm pretty sure they were already calling it Luna. Then he's just made this conscious choice. Fuck right. you! It's the moon. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's that's a nice little detail that just fits with what I know of that guy, and yep. I can picture him doing it, and I love it. You guys seen the moon? It's pretty great. Y- you mean Luna, Grandpa? Because the moon, there's millions of moons. Which one do you mean? You know, the moon. The that moon one up in the Come sky. <laughs> I would not I have put. Like... It, I would not have put it past the Federation to keep calling it the moon. Yep. I feel like uh, uh, Joseph Sisko and uh, Leonard Bones McCoy would have hung out at some point. Yeah, that's a, that is a... They're, uh, they're cut from a similar cloth. That's definitely something I would like to... Uh, that, that's a fan fiction I would like to read. I think... I, and, and there's got to be some overlap. Oh, totally. There's got to be some overlap where he's old enough to be crotchety, but still young enough to, you know, for Bones to be around. Yeah. But uh, I think that's why I like his character so much. One, the actor's great. But yep. two, he's he's very similar to Bones. Just have Bones in uh, New Orleans for Mardi Gras or something and stop by his restaurant. Yeah, he's already from the South. It's not much yeah, further to, not, to just uh, pop over to yeah. New Orleans. I think he's from Georgia, so it's only like a couple states over. Yeah. So, yeah. How's your mint juleps? Yeah, this'll do. <laughs> Poured directly out of uh, Joseph Sisko's nose. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Mint juleps out of one, hot gumbo out of the other. <laughs> Dear people who draw for us. Oh, God. Please, please stop drawing Joseph Sisko's nose. <laughs> let's, do, let's do something else. <sighs> uh, my good thing, that ending, man, is fucking brutal. Oh, man, it's so good. Oh. Like, the typical formula of this is to have one of our guys bond with someone and they're the ones who die. Yeah, no, I was totally ex- like, if you would ask me how this episode was going to end, I would be all like, oh, Collins is going to die. Yeah, they're going to lose the one they get attached to. Yeah. And the captain's going to have to deal with his grief. Yeah. No. No, they all die. Collins <laughs> is the only one who lives. Fucking apart massacred. From our guys. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking like, at- we we're talking at the end of the episode where uh, where she's lying in her bed in her bed with her massive head injury, and Nog just walks up and gives her back the uh, badge. We're just like, I just picture him leaning down, going, "You could have done something." Yeah, you could have saved them. Enjoy your survivor's guilt. Bye. 
And um, I mean, like, okay, we see, like, I mean, it's the Jem'Hadar. Yep. First of all, who who show no mercy anyway. Yep. They're the Cobra Kai of uh, of the galaxy. Oh shit! <laughs> now I'm <laughs> taking it back to the '80s. Valiant's gonna get its legs swept. Yeah. Um, but, uh, then this, this little Federation ship goes right, like, up, like, 300 meters from its hull, and I know how far 300 meters is on Earth, which means, in space terms, it's, like, an inch. Yep. Like, it's nothing. It's right there. So, like, it's right on their hull, shooting a torpedo at them. Yeah, they... They're definitely not gonna show any mercy now. Yeah, so it turns out this, uh, Jem'Hadar ship has, like, uh, an exhaust port, they gotta fire a photon torpedo down or something. Which is great because everyone's used to shooting womp rats, so you know. <laughs> Not much bigger than three meters. Yeah. No, the the idea is that some of their bulkheads are built out of a out of a material that's really unstable and if they shoot a special torpedo at it, like it wasn't technobabbly enough that it didn't make sense. It was like Yeah. No, they make it out of this metal that's a little unstable. If we shoot it with this kind of energy, it'll it'll blow up. And like, yeah, I follow that. That makes mm-hmm. sense. And it turns out, oh, really, the, one of the premier fighting forces of a whole quarter of the galaxy uh, didn't uh, fall to a plan come up with by children. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> you mean they might have outthought you there? Huh. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but we tried really but, hard. We're the best but, of the best. What I'm saying is, like, I, they're, they're brutal anyway. Yep. But with them flying right up in their face... Mm-hmm. They're going to be they're just totally merciless, and they are. Not only do they blow the thing up, and we've never seen the Defiant blow up before, so that was cool. Yep. Um, they pick off all the all the escape pods that they can hit, oh, which man. is most of them. That's nasty, too. Like, yeah, that is. The like, little... It's kind of like, it's like shooting a doctor. Like, yeah. There's some things you don't do. Mm-hmm. Like, those guys aren't armed. They're just running for their lives. They're not a threat anymore. Nope. Fuck them. You're just shooting them to prove a point or because you're bored. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, take another swing at him, whatever. Yeah. But it's it's just like, they they're, they murder them, and we watch them all fall. We see a pile of corpses on the bridge. A literal just... pile of corpses. Yes. The the bridge of the, uh, of the Valiant is lousy with bludgeoned corpses. Yep. To quote little orphan Annie. <laughs> Something no one has ever said before. <laughs> we say it a lot. We really kind of do. That kind of made its way into our lexicon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's like, we don't see grownups die this much. And to watch these kids who are at best, they can't be older than 20, 21. Like, like what's a senior in college? 21, 22. Something like that. Yeah. So the the oldest of them is early twenties. Yeah. But most like the youngest one he even says is 17. Yeah. 17 to like very early twenties. Like, yeah, they're all dead. Yeah. Dave. Even Rima. Brutal. Yeah. It's, it's bad. And it's it really just drives that point home of these kids are in over their heads. They should have just gone home, mm-hmm. you know. And and it's the overall theme that war is bad. Only the show does that well. Yep. So did you know that war cool. is bad? I think it's come up I before do. on the show. Well, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. It's true. Yeah, that's pretty good for the economy. Yeah, I used to be a defense contractor. We kind of liked it when there was a war. Mm-hmm. I had to stop doing that. That's a little unpleasant. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, hmm. there's a great unrelated scene at the very beginning where, uh, Quark's replicator is broken and, uh, nobody's available to fix it. So Dax fixes it. And he's like, but, but you're Dax. You don't fix stuff. You're better than that. You do. Oh, 
yeah. cleaning crap out of my out of my replicator. Yeah, and it's just like okay, Quark sometimes has a very sort of awful Ferengi way of looking at women, but I like that Dax doesn't really fit that. No, well, Dax like, is no, no, a... you're not a technician, you're a scientist. Come on, don't get your hands dirty. Yeah, don't be gross. Yeah, that's chief's work. Yeah, this is you are a scientist, man. Or for go my, go or f- do some science. Or for my idiot brother to do, I poke him with a stick. <laughs> oh, and I have a special stick just for that. Where's my where's my where's my rom poking stick? Ah, oh, there it is. Well, here it is, brother. <laughs> I sharpened it for you, just like you asked. <laughs> I'm really kind of dumb. <laughs> yup. <laughs> uh, anything else? Um, didn't have a lot of notes for this one. Yeah, I noticed that. It was weird. Yep. Uh, so my quote, yes, I don't know please. why this th- this just delighted me for no good reason, uh, is this. Warning, we are within range of enemy weapons. Thanks for the warning. I just like when people talk back to the computer mostly. I liked it when Jordy did it. I like it when Chief O'Brien does it. It just, it amuses me because it's like when I yell at Siri. Like, <laughs> stop that. It's not, it can't hear you. I mean, it can, but it doesn't understand that you're yelling at yeah. it. Yeah, talking to the computer. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, is that it? I believe that is it. Okay. Next week, we are doing a pair of episodes that we both remember to be not great. So Next week, I will be on an adventure somewhere far away. Mm, no, you'll be back from your adventure by the time we need to talk about these episodes. Uh, you're not getting out of... You're not getting out of uh, Cave Molly and Quark wears a dress that easily. Uh, not really spoilers, because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. A um, couple of quick uh, plugs. Uh, I as, as I hinted last week, I recently did an interview with uh, uh, animation writer David Wise. Uh, yep. He wrote for... Uh, Transformers, for the Ninja Turtles, and for Star Trek, actually, yep. for the animated series. So there is a connection to what we do here. Uh, that's on my More Bits podcast. That is more-bits.com or on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have some exciting news about the show. Yes. Uh, I've been working with the uh, the Pocket Theater here in Seattle. We've done live shows there before. It's a great venue. It's a great little place for sort of uh, uh, small view- venue uh, comedians and sort of up-and-coming people. And uh, they have offered us their space to record this show in. Yep. Uh, when Matt hopefully will be in the U.S. coming up soon. Pretty uh, in the next couple of months. Uh... Yeah, we hope. Yeah. Uh, we are going to try to start doing the show live on a semi-regular basis. And yes. We don't know how frequently. Uh, we don't, you know, all those details are yet to be worked out. But I do know we are going to be doing the first episode of Voyager live in front of an audience at the Pocket Theater in Seattle. Yep. Uh, that's in late August, more details to follow when we get a little closer. But, uh, the idea is that, uh, if you're in Seattle, it's a great jumping on point. You don't need to know a lot about Star Trek or about this show because we'll be starting something new. It'll be some, it'll be a great time for you to kind of get in on the ground floor Yep. and, and, you know, get an idea of what we do. So, and more importantly, come and share our pain. I am keeping an open mind, Matt. You do that. All right, let us now have you say your thing, and I will hit stop. See you, folks. You can hit stop now. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.